Hello, New York. Thank you for coming and joining me and my best friend, Sarah Longwell, publisher of The Bulwark, and my very, very good friend who has been with us almost since like week two of The Bulwark, Molly Jongfast, now of Vanity Fair, which is... Which is not nearly as cool as The Bulwark. I was your token liberal. Yeah. Right? You were, now we're all token liberals. Now we're all token liberals. <laughs> when you guys used to be Republicans, I was your liberal. And now look where we are. Yeah. So I would like to have a struggle session where we talk about the mystery of Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> because I don't know about you guys, but I spent two hours of my life today reading all 70 pages of the complaint against him. Oh. It's a lot worse than you thought. <laughs> Right, initially I was like, oh, I bet there's some really good dick jokes in there. And it, it turns out it's way, 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 way worse. But <laughs> I think it's important to talk about because there is something very deep in questions about the human condition, the progress of American politics, whether or not Molly and the libs were right all along. <laughs> That's right, I am proud to say I've disliked Rudy Giuliani since the 90s. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. It's the, it's the curse of New York City mayordom. So let me give you the, I mean, Sarah read it too. Would you like to give the summation of the complaint? <laughs> or would that make you feel like you need a Silkwood shower? I mean, the thing about when you read it is, like, it is, it is, like, it is incredibly disturbing because there's a lot of sexual assault uh, and a lot of grooming, manipulation, um, extortion for sexual favors, uh, the kind of like male narcissism that leads people to demand that he be referred to as Mr. President uh, while they're having sex, uh, that want demands blowjobs while he's on the phone with Trump uh, because it makes him feel like Bill Clinton. And like the thing about Giuliani, right, is there's this there's this part of it where you're like because he's such a buffoonish figure now, right? You just, the landscaping, Four Seasons with the gel running, the dark stuff, right? You, you, you wanna laugh at him, but like, he was creating a situation with this woman where he told her, I'm gonna pay you a million dollars if you come work for me. And so this 43-year-old woman thinks, okay, I'm gonna make a million dollars. And so she feels beholden to him, and he immediately does things like, assaults her while she's in the shower, like comes into her hotel room, which he's like got an adjacent room to. Right. Well, he, her he can't pay her right now. He's can't like, pay her right now. So That's I'm right. in this divorce thing. We're going to wrap this That's up right. any day now, but I can't pay you until it's over. Uh, and she, because she's just been offered a job for a million dollars, which by the way, so they meet in the lobby of Trump Tower, because of course, <laughs> and within like 30 seconds of meeting, he is offering her a job. Yeah. I know. Advice to young ladies out there. That's their first red flag. So she says no, and then he goes, second red flag. A year later, he sends her a Facebook friend request, because of course, old man Rudy Giuliani is on Facebook stalking young women. It's uh, how he communica communicates with Jenny Thomas. <laughs> Facebook DMs. So he invites her to an interview to be his business manager, and he offers her in the first interview, like, the, uh, here's a million dollars, but then he describes the duties and it's clearly secretary work. It's, you know, I want you to be on call all the time and do my emails and everything. And then he, he starts, in this, <laughs> I know we should be upset about the pardons and the $2 million for the pardons. 
I, as a hero of the working man, was upset that this guy is stiffing her for her salary. And, you know, and so it's like two years of him saying, you know, she's like, I'm living off my credit cards. Can I please be paid? And he's like, here's $5,000 cash walking around money. Don't worry, you'll get your salary next month. And that's really bad, right? Oh, did you need confirmation about how bad? <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. Miss Capitalist uh, over yeah, here. Yeah. I want to make sure that you're okay with it. Being... I'm sorry. I don't think you understand capitalism properly because it's not like, oh, I offer you a million dollars for sexual favors and you do this fake job. No victim blaming. But I, I was like, why? Like, walk away from Rudy Giuliani. I mean, he like it does seem like he was holding her captive with the money. But did you wonder while you were reading it why she? So I mean, again, I don't want to victim blame anybody either. It does seem that she, and there are two other women bouncing around in the complaint under his employee at the time, and they do seem like ninth-rate wannabe MAGA grifter types. Right, but I mean... Um, But then they get totally taken advantage of by this guy, and she is on the hook because, again, she's been promised a salary, and she's doing the work, and she's not getting paid. And so I think the reason she's sticking around is she's just waiting to get paid here. What do you think about this? Right? Again, the Adult Survivor Act, right? None of this could have happened without the Adult Survivor Act signed into law, right, by um, Governor Hochul after another Me Too. You know, we had Trump, we had Cuomo, we had a lot of uh, Me Too stuff and then a change in the law. So what do I think? I think these are the kind of people who are really bad to women. I think about the Borat movie, right? The documentary, the Borat movie, where, and I don't know if you saw, there was an interview uh, where um, Sasha Baron Cohen was saying, you know, I realized that we had to run into that room because Rudy was going to do something to that actress who he thought was 16. And I'm sorry, like, I don't think that, you know, this is like not a good guy. And uh, I think that, you know, it doesn't, I I don't know that it matters much about her. You know, everyone in that world is a third rate MAGA grifter. I mean, that's the brand. I mean, Trump is basically a third rate MAGA grifter. I mean, we come, you know, we all live in the same city. We know who he is. So, um, I mean, luckily he doesn't live here anymore. He lives in Florida, but um, I don't think of this as very surprising. And in fact, you know, we, I know a lot of people from Rudy World who did not find this super surprising. Like, like old Rudy World? Like, old Rudy this is, World. I think this is the essence of your question, is was Rudy Giuliani like this while he was mayor? Like, is this who he has always... Well, yes. apparently we have yes. people have opinions in the audience on this. <laughs> uh, I mean, he announced he was divorcing his wife in front of her. You yeah. know, like she learned from the press conference. So I, mean, so I didn't know this. So I went and read this. I was reading about all of this. His dad was in Sing Sing, apparently. Yeah. Uh, his mom was kind of a Mussolini fan. Yeah. Uh, already, like, Not some great. stuff from the beginning. Not great. Always pals with Trump. Yeah. And so I'm just going to be straightforward about something. You're not from New York. No, that's, I'm not. <laughs> I really wanted to get on the Rudy campaign when he was running for president. Um, I called Tim, and I was like, how do I get on this campaign? Did Tim talk you out of it, I hope? No, I don't think they wanted me. I don't know. I I can't remember what happened. But like, You didn't talk to Juliana? No. (laughs) The reason that I did is that I saw him as a moderate Republican in the mold that I was interested in, and I don't think I knew any of this stuff. Like, it's weird how little I knew at the time. He had a book called 
It's like square peg yeah. or something. I don't like know. That. I mean, these books, there. like they don't write them. They don't even read them. I mean, there are two problems here. One is that New York City mayoralship is largely a job of sort of doing chores, right? It's not an ideological job, right? It's making sure the garbage gets picked up. It's making sure the rat problem stays under control, which is as we... Don't as, kill groundhogs. Right, don't kill any groundhogs. Though now they've prevented it. Now mayors can't even get anywhere near a groundhog. They have like all sorts of groundhog checks and balances. But by the way, in case you're wondering, that was a major scandal. And the zoo covered it up, the Staten Island Zoo. I you remember had, this. I had expected better from the Staten Island Zoo. No... I had not, actually. The Bronx Zoo never would have covered that up. I I have to say, I don't think the Bronx Zoo is quite as sketchy as the Staten Island Zoo. If anyone's from Staten Island, cover your ears and don't come and break my kneecaps. Um, Anyway, so yes, uh, we are a city that has, it's a management job. And you know, that's why ideologues tend not to do so well here. Rudy Giuliani came into the city when we were having a pretty tough time, though we're still the greatest city in the world. Uh, and That's but we right. did. He he basically arrested everyone who was homeless. I mean, and you know, it was not. I mean, it was not a great time for civil liberties. And you know, looking back at a very dark time in, in New York history, I think. But he wrote that, and then 9/11, and he decided he was America's mayor. And, uh, you know, and then he lasted briefly, you know, but he was always sort of known to be a womanizer at best. But not not just a womanizer. I mean, here's, may I I please share? (laughs) This is not me. This is Mayor Giuliani. Jews want to go through their freaking Passover all the time. Man, oh man, get over the Passover. It was like 3,000 years ago. The Red Sea parted, big deal. It's not the first time it happened. First of all, as the only Jew on this stage and on the Upper West Side with my people, we will never get over Passover, okay? (laughs) We're never getting over Passover. I think I can say that on good authority. Yeah. uh, There's more. There's more. If my life depended on... I'm sorry, I'm I'm reading this in like... No, I like the It's not actually... It's like... I sound like Gene Shallot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if I had to make love to Nancy Pelosi, I couldn't do it. I'd have to die. <laughs> now, the best part in this, this complaint is throughout it, you see the phrase, there are recordings of this. Right. <laughs> I guess this, is the, this is what I wanted to say. She's got tapes of all of this because... She was supposed to be collecting stuff to help him write his like autobiography. He wanted her to tape things. He so wanted he her to tape. knew it. So it's all them. on tape. And yeah. on tape, she has him saying, Yes, you have my consent to record. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is the best. This is what I mean. Like, it's not just like, also, Oh, is he always a woman? When did having sex with Nancy Pelosi come up? Like, why does he have, you know, like, I feel like nobody asked him. I mean, this was not on the menu of options. Here he is speaking about, <laughs> so we don't have the direct quote, so I assume there is not tape of this. From the complaint, Mayor Giuliani demeaned and sexualized Margaret Thatcher and wondered about the effect she would have on his penis. Again, you really you see Rudy's that. mind working right. here, right? I mean, he's clearly 
you know. So okay, here, but here, just hold on. So this is this is where this stuff's all. I mean, it's anti-Semitic, so it's not funny, but it's like funny, fun. Like this is ridiculous. Do you think the anti-Semitism's a little I funny? Think, I think that I think that her having him on tape being like get over Passover <laughs> is like a ridiculous thing. The thing is, is that when you read the complaint, and this is sort of the, where I was going to go earlier, is like it is actually filled with cruelty. Right. It is cruel. It is filled yeah. with horrible, cruel things that are not just demeaning. And this is why I was sort of asking, like, she was suffering, and it's too terrible to say right now. Like, it's too terrible to say on stage. But, like, if you go look it up, it is sadistic. But not just the sadism. I'm sorry. My favorite thing in the entire complaint <laughs> is when he asks her to Google obstruction of justice <laughs> for him. <laughs> and that is where we run up against the wall of, well, at least he was a good manager and he cleaned up New York. And this is the thing that we have talked about a dozen right. times, you and I, right? When you find out that these people are fucking crazy, right. were they always like that or did they change? No, right? I think he was always like that. I mean, I will say, I don't know how much alcohol, I mean, I've been sober since I was 19, so I... You know, I don't know how much alcohol has played a role in his demise. That complaint talks a lot about <laughs> inebriation and drunkenness. Yeah, he, he, one of her jobs was to make him a functioning alcoholic. Yeah. Right. And she says, she says that he was, in the two years she was with him, she doesn't believe she ever saw him sober. He was, um, and here's the second point, right? Another thing that maybe you've heard this once or twice, Sarah. You guys have changed. I don't think we've changed as much as Rudy has, right? At least in the public perception. Like, yeah, so I, let, let me make the pitch for change. He strikes me through this whole thing as like, so he's always had to have been a bad person for this, right? He had to have something broken inside of him to be this. But there's got to be something about going through 9-11 and being celebrated, maybe not in New York for the changes that he made, but broadly in the country. And then 9-11 specifically just being seen as a hero that clearly went to him in a way that, like... I mean, this is... Right, he's now he's, like, delusional. He believes things about himself, that he's entitled to all of this. This is the fame-makes-you-stupid thesis. Yeah. I do not think, and maybe I'm having some revisionism here, but I do not think of him as, like, a hero of 9-11, though it may be true outside of the city that people thought of him that way. But he definitely did sort of ride that as, you know, his bona fides. I think he just got worse. I mean, I think he got drunk. And then, you know, this Trumpism thing was like a race to the bottom. And it kind of corrupted everyone who got involved in it. And if you were a little sketchy to begin with, you became incredibly sketchy. One of the other things about the Trump era that I think people might not realize is how much for a certain kind of old man, it was like a last opportunity right. to be relevant and to have people celebrate you and to be close to power at a time where it was never going. And so, like, you went all in. But I also think, like, if you think about the Obama administration, they only took, like, the really the best and the brightest. And if you think about the Trump administration, if you were friends with him, you could be an ambassador. You could be a speechwriter. I mean, the bar was so low. I mean, Andrew Giuliani worked in that administration. You know, it was like jobs for friends and anyone they knew. Remember how Giuliani was almost the Secretary of State? Yeah. <laughs> like, that was the job he was going to have? Can you imagine? Can you imagine? I mean, comedically brilliant, but I was otherwise... I was remembering this and thinking, like, who had the good judgment to make sure that didn't happen? 
It wasn't Trump. But he is Veep. I mean, this is the thing, right? This, this era, Giuliani, is a character from Veep in a way that early 2000s Giuliani was a character from, like, an Aaron Sorkin show. House of Cards. Right. Early Giuliani yeah. was House of Cards. Late Giuliani was Veep. I don't want to laugh at this right. so much. Like, I want to make the point that this is, like, one of the most disgusting things I've ever read, and that if she does have him on tape and if it bears out that this is true, he should go to prison and die there. Like, it is, it is the kind of... Uh, it's bad. Yeah, it's, it's really bad. Four Seasons I mean, Total Landscaping is funny. This is, is not funny. But what's depressing about all these Adult Survivor Act cases is they're civil cases, right? So you have to get money from these guys. And, like, you know, Trump owes her $5 million. Everyone says, you know, all the pundits are like, he has it. He has, mil- you know, billions of dollars. But, you know, the truth is who even knows what Trump has, right? And try getting money from Rudy. I'm not sure that's going to be easy. <laughs> Good luck. You know, so I was going to talk about this later, but let's just talk about it now. Let's talk about Eugene Carroll. And we have a fantastic piece coming out in the Bulwark, maybe tomorrow. It depends on how late you guys make me stay out. Um, If you make me stay out late, then it's coming on Monday. Um, By Sarah Longwell. Isn't it great when she writes? Yeah. Shouldn't she write more? Don't take his side on these things. (laughs) And what Sarah's piece suggests is that we basically, Republican women are in an abusive relationship with Donald Trump. Would you like to... So tell the people. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that's been interesting about Nikki Haley getting into the race is it's given us the opportunity to ask a lot of women what they think about Nikki Haley and what they, I mean, and Republican voters in general, we ask them all, but I've been struck by the responses of the women. And so when we first heard the first woman say, I don't think a woman should be president, I went, well, that's weird. Uh, And then we kept hearing it. Oh, really? And so I have all the quotes from a number of women, and the, the men don't say it as much. They kind of nod in these groups. But, but Nikki has allowed, like, because they're all like, she's, she's nice enough, but, like, I don't think a woman can be president. And sometimes it's, I don't think a woman should be president. Sometimes it's the world is not ready, and, like, these other leaders, you know, they wouldn't respect women. Right, and so they haven't have had it. women presidents everywhere else in any the world. Any other countries, yeah. yeah. All uh, the other leaders were afraid of the effect Margaret Thatcher would have on their penises. Yeah. <laughs> but what I just... I, what do you push and say, like... Why can't a woman be president? Yeah, and a lot of it is this, like, well, you know, these other countries have these people, and you need to be strong, and they would take advantage of us. Oh, Jesus. Um, and, and, and that's part of the piece. So, and that's the part that I have just found, I've just been really surprised, you know, because I, I actually always thought that the first female president would be a Republican. Now, part of that is because I came up during a time both of... Margaret Thatcher was still there, uh, but also like Condoleezza Rice was just a name you always heard people say, and I thought Liddy Dole. Yeah, you like believed people, in Liddy Dole, didn't you? Uh, no, it's not that. I was too young. I was too young to believe. But I just, I guess, I thought Republicans would be the ones to do it. But the way that the women, especially, talk has been surprising. Then the other piece is just the E. Jean Carroll being found liable gave this opportunity to have this new conversation, and. It's just incredible how much two things are going on. One, 
his sexism or like not just like like the sexual assault, the um, access Hollywood, misogyny. misogyny. It is so baked in that people either think it's sort of like funny, like the way they laughed when he was on stage talking about E. Jean Carroll, or they compartmentalize it. You, they, they, these, so many of these women say, you know, I don't think he's a good person, or like I don't like when he says those things, but he's good at running the country. Yeah, right? only 400,000 people died during COVID during his watch. I See? mean, it is this fact. I mean, I wrote about that this week, this unreality, and I've, but I've written about the misogyny too. And I do think what's interesting about Trump is that he has in order to run against him, right? These people are trying, you know, DeSantis, these guys are trying to get his base, right? That's what you need to win the Republican nomination. But his base is increasingly in this, like, Earth 2 scenario, where they no longer believe a lot of things that we know are true. So, for example, they all believe he won the 2020 election. So when Ron DeSantis says he wants to end a culture of losing... Who is he talking about? He can't be talking about Trump because Trump won the 2020 election. So as, if Ron DeSantis explains to these people that Trump actually lost, I don't think they're going to love him for that. Well, I don't know if you've noticed, but Ron DeSantis is just saying, Biden became president. <laughs> <laughs> just happened. It was super weird. It was there. We don't know what happened. We, you know, we went to bed and then we woke up. There's Joe Biden as president. It's the damnedest thing. The losing thing where DeSantis can't say that Trump lost is different from the women stuff where they seem to accept the truth of it. There are people who sort of do the ostrich in the sand. Oh, I've never heard of that thing. But then there are people who are like, well, yes, you know, I too am a victim. There was a woman who... One of the tougher lines in the piece is there's a woman who's like, yes, like maybe he's done this, this has happened to me too, this is bad, but I still think he did a good job running the country. And it is like a, it's like an arresting thing to hear from a person. But also it's what, weird. I just am curious, like what constitutes a good job running the country? Like putting okay, so, Jared in charge? Yeah, well, so here's the thing, and I'm worried about this uh, going forward. Oh, we're going to fight on, aren't we? No, no, no. Your point You're going to make me do the voice, aren't you? Your point it, about I'm like COVID, the therapist here, geez, right? Your I'm like about, the marital therapist yeah, here. Yeah, go on. There's nothing could solve this relationship. I'm, like, the, I'm willing to try, man. That's all yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. This is a safe space. It's the nest of trust and understanding. Right, you guys have to explain what the fight is. It's not even this fight. The thing that you said about COVID, the 400,000 people dying, mm-hmm. this is bad for Ron DeSantis, too. People don't think about COVID anymore. People have moved on from the COVID thing. Really and so bad. when they think about Trump, and Trump does this where he creates his own reality. Right. The economy was amazing. Everybody was working. And I've been sort of saving this for you. I don't want to tell. But we did a group last week of swing voters, not Trump voters. People who voted for Trump in 16, and they voted voted for for Joe Biden Biden in in 2020. And in terms of who they would vote for in 2024, between Biden and Trump, they split even. What did they say? That doesn't surprise what? me at all. Yeah. The takeaway for me what was did they say? if things were better. The economy was better. He did a better job running the country. So this is the thing that drives me fucking insane. Yeah. <laughs> when I say I've been saving it for so, I wanted to see you deal with this on stage in front of an audience. <laughs> there might not be a therapist who can yeah. fix this. Voters 
look at the Trump years and they say, well, sure, everything was in the toilet for the final year, but things were pretty good in the first two years. Then they look at Biden and they say, sure, things were really good for the first two years, but then, you know, we had this inflation stuff in the last year, so we're mad. We are going to fight, actually, because that's not right. <laughs> the, the, the first years of Biden, he was dealing with COVID. He was dealing with a broken supply chain. We had the resurgence. Like, uh, you dismiss the inflation stuff, but, like, every group, people talk about how they can't afford apartments. They can't afford, you know, the groceries are too expensive. They have to make all these choices about milk. You know, like, if you, that stuff matters. That stuff matters all, more than anything. And look, I wish that we lived in a world where the E. Jean Carroll stuff or the way that Trump treats women matters, but like those are not going to be the issues that decide this totally election. Agree. It's so, going to be inflation. Totally it's going to be crime. So let me ask you a question. I want to pull back for a minute because... Mommy and daddy are fighting. It's okay. I can, I can handle it. I also am at Vanity Fair now. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but uh, so be, if you guys want to Dagger. kill each other, it's okay. I mean, I, you know, uh, but no, uh, what I was going to say was I want to pull back because I want to talk about previous elections, right? We had a 2022 midterm where Democrats way overperformed. And we were told that voters would vote on inflation, which was actually worse, and uh, crime, which... Again, crime is like what we see on Fox News, right? I mean, it's not tied to actual crime. It's tied to like... I get yelled at when I say that, Molly. <laughs> it's really gun crime. It's, it's really... When you look at the, well, you look it's at the also, stats, it's gun crime. I mean, crime. it's Elon Musk yeah. and, you know, David, whatever his name is, saying, you know, that guy who got murdered in San Francisco, that was crime, right? And, right. of course, it was someone he knew. Um, you know, I'm not saying that crime is not a problem. I'm just saying this is not about crime. This is about the, the appearance of crime, right? The anxiety about crime. But I would just say in 20... No, am I wrong? I mean, no, the crime is up. I don't know. I Like, in Washington, D.C., crime is way up. Now, if you want to say it's gun crime, that's fine. Democrats should make the point that it is gun crime. 100%. But don't say that crime's not right, up but and I'm it just, doesn't matter But I'm just people. talking about these previous elections. But yeah, go ahead, 22. People did vote. Biden said it's going to be about democracy, and everyone said... Everyone in the mainstream media said, you stupid. It's not going to be about democracy. The old guy is wrong. And, you know, he did really well. Like, he way overperformed. And the red wave was not a red wave. And, in fact, like, and even when, I mean, with Roe v. Wade is another great example. Like, there was a Wisconsin, Democrats just elected a Wisconsin judge by huge numbers. So I'm just saying, you know, look, I know that there are a lot, you know, inflation is definitely an issue and Fox News is 24-hour-a-day crime thing, but... You have people who are voting on these main issues. I mean, so I'm really glad you brought up 22 because I think yeah. this is really important. And I don't, but when you say like Joe Biden overperformed, right. I don't think Joe Biden overperformed. I listened to swing voters talk about how frustrated they were and how they wanted to vote for Republicans. The, but they just didn't want to vote for like Blake Masters right. and his Unabomber obsession. Right. No, no. Right? Like, they didn't want to vote for Carrie Lake. They didn't want to vote for Herschel Walker. They right. didn't want to vote for Doug Mastriano. And so democracy did matter right. in a way that I think was deeply important and that I was very happy about. But it, the American people don't think about democracy. What they thought was... They didn't they, want to elect Trumpy No, they, these crazy people, right. right, were election deniers, and they had crazy positions on abortion, and they did a bunch of other weird things because they were extremists. And so it was all wrapped together. And so I think Republicans underperformed. Right. Uh, because, like, 
you know, uh, Katie Hobbs didn't overperform. Like, right. Katie Hobbs got dragged across the finish line. Again, she was against Carrie Lake. Right, it was but, a nut job. But, Kate, but, but Katie Hobbs, bare, I mean, she was very quiet. And Carrie Lake really did that to herself. And everybody thought Carrie Lake was going to win. I mean, right. remember, and she was very charismatic. I mean, again, completely insane because all Trumpy candidates, you know, they're picked for their craziness, right? But Katie Hobbs was not an incredible campaigner at all. And in fact, it felt like she was hiding towards the end. I just think that in these swingy states, these crazy candidates do not win. Right. So the question is that I have going into 2024 is, I think that it's pretty clear people can't effectively imitate Trump and get the same results. Right. Uh, Carrie Lake is really a Carrie good Lake example. Carrie Lake is a great example, right? Where she's because yeah. she's the, done the best Trump entertainment. Right. She's really committed. And she's also like she's still governor right now. Right. She's going to run for Senate as while still, she's governor that's right. of the fake fake governor. It's amazing. Right. No, she's amazing. Back to Trump for one second. The reason why Trump was able to win these primaries is because he's very charismatic. Yes. And you put him next to a Ron DeSantis screaming at you about how bad Disney is, and they want Trump because he's a little funny. I mean, again, that's the nicest thing I'll ever say about him, but it's true. He's a little funny. And a lot of American politics is wanting to have a beer with your candidate. Uh, I think that's true. Uh, I mean, I find him repellent. Right. Uh, but I'm just, I never find him funny. But, but, but they, you are right that these people— and They this find is, him funny. There is a kind of lizard gross charm that he has with people where they like, it's not even that they want to have a beer with him. It's that he has made politics both interesting and fun to them and also accessible to them in a way that like, like I actually think one of the bigger problems for Ron DeSantis is right now he's got a 70 minute stump speech that's actually got a lot of policy in it. He's got to cut that shit out. And like, those voters don't want to listen to his seventy. Just hurt the brown people speech. and talk about the trans. But That's... don't you think that Ron DeSantis and Glenn Youngkin will just cancel each other out? Can we talk about yeah, Glenn Youngkin? Yeah, let's talk about Youngkin. Because we got a Glenn Youngkin. He did I a guess video it's the cross today. between the God Made a Fighter video and the Tim Pawlenty Top Gun video. Does anybody <laughs> remember the T Paw? <laughs> video, which is like Michael Bay trying to make T-Paw interesting. <laughs> it was amazing. Uh, so Glenn Youngkin had it like, with lots of Reagan shots in it. Right. So I guess he's going to make a run at this thing after saying pretty definitively that he wasn't. Yeah, which I think is a real indictment of DeSantis. Yes. Because yeah. Youngkin had kind of said, I'm not going to run this year, which I had interpreted to mean... I'm going to sit back, and if the two of them go to town, I can actually be a late entrance that everybody gets excited about, and I can be like a surprise. I can be Mike Bloomberg. Yeah, I can pop. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, poor But he did, he is starting to campaign a little bit here, and I'm glad. This primary is... Now we're going to fight. Well, here's the thing. Yeah, so, (laughs) well, let's talk about a struggle session. I don't know what to do in this Republican primary other than tell you I do not want Trump to win the Republican primary. Like, I do not want him to be in a position. But and so that means I got to be for somebody else. But I'm telling you, the, first of all, I think Trump, I don't think you can convince people who love Trump that they should love this other guy who's just less charming and less fun to them. And I just don't, and I also, I think Ron DeSantis is absolutely unequivocally as dangerous as Donald Trump, if not oh. more dangerous. Yeah, now we are going to fight. Know, no. but, I, but I'm right because even though if you look at what Ron DeSantis has done in Florida, Donald Trump would never 
be able to be that organized and that targeted against the LGBTQ community and the things he has done. I mean, the things where, you know, these bills he has passed, the bans, I mean, the targeting of trans children. And I think he's shockingly anti-gay. I mean, we codified same-sex marriage in Congress. I mean... I know I got one. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm telling you, I think the guy is is a bad guy. Yeah, I know. See, this is the thing. Saying that Ron DeSantis is less bad than Donald Trump is not saying Ron DeSantis is good. And let's just come with me on the hellscape of a Donald Trump second term. I love it when you go dark. (laughs) Right now, there's a war in Europe. Right. Look, I trans kids... LGBT community, my people, great. This guy's gonna pull us out of NATO. He's gonna take Putin's side in the war in Europe. Milli- like Ukrainians are gonna get murdered because America's gonna stop supporting them. Like the, the extent of it, Rudy Giuliani will be the, the, the state. Who's the guy who tried to overturn the election with the with the what was that guy's name? Oh god, doesn't matter. The, he's the gonna head, he's gonna be the head of the Department of Justice. Yeah, he'll be AJ. Right. And right. not Bill Barr, the worst one. Clark, yes, thank Clark. you, Clark, yeah. thank Clark. you, thank you. Yeah. Uh, smart audience. But I mean, uh, I do, but, but listen, but, I think that if Trump were ever to get reelected for a second term, it would be the end of American democracy. Okay, but, so now we're talking. This is no, my point. Right, <laughs> yeah. but let me just say, I'm not convinced that DeSantis wouldn't also be that. And I think he is much more electable than Donald Trump. So I personally think that it's a little bit scary, the idea of this guy. I mean, he basically is running on a fascism platform. Yeah, right? listen, yeah, there's a problem with the whole Republican Party now that the main choices that people are excited about are Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis. Right. Right, like that's a problem. If you listen to the bulwark, you are, we are aware that this is not the best scenario uh, for our politics but at the moment. I will say, I think Ron DeSantis, I don't think people are really excited about Ron DeSantis. I, no, I think that's true, and I think... Have, so I, this is your time to get on yeah. the Yunkin train. Take your vitamin Y. Yeah, so I'm, I'm here for the Yunkin thing. Uh, I'm here for when the Yunkin thing. When does National Review go all in for Yunkin? Have they, well, have they haven't yet? No, I no, don't think they can. No, because they're all in for I DeSantis. I know, DeSantis. but they're going to have to hitch their wagon. To... I don't, I don't but think... The whole, well, I just want to point though. out, is, the whole premise yes. here with Yunkin is that he's incredibly rich, so he must be great, right? I mean, you know... I mean, he's governed Virginia for two years, right? I mean, that's... I just think he's the least bad option. Right, I mean... That would poll above 10%. Right, no. No, here is is the Yunkin thing. He is the only other post-Trump candidate. That's right. Right, so this is... Boy, when Sarah writes pieces for The Bulwark, they're so good. Don't you wish she would write more of them? You had this fantastic (laughs) piece for us. Sometimes I have to write for The Atlantic, sorry. Uh, (laughs) That was mean, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. They're so booing me over Sarah had that. this fantastic, yeah, it was a low blow. Yeah. Sarah had this fantastic piece for us about how one of the things that she gets over and over and over in the focus groups is no matter what the Republican voter screen is, no matter who they favor, what they say is they don't want that stuff that came before Trump. Whether that stuff means Paul Ryan or Mitt Romney or any, anybody who has an idea, right? Their identity comes as, you know, a thing from the before times. Tim Scott, Nikki Haley, right? You had the, this woman who said about Nikki Haley, <laughs> we laughed about this. This woman says to her about Nikki Haley, yeah, I just feel like if we elected Nikki Haley, we'd be getting, you know, this like middle of the road, moderate, conservative stuff. Like, you know, like we used to get during the Paul Ryan days. And Sarah and I are like, ooh, tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, and I don't want any of that. 
But Youngkin is the only one in the entire thing who is a post-Trump figure. He forged his identity in the post-Trump era. But does, Same with DeSantis. Before DeSantis started running for president, and again, I do not think this person was ever great, but he was less insane, right? A lot of his insane stuff was running to the right and of those Trump. are his liabilities now. Yeah, that's right. what right. hurts this is the problem, yeah. right? right? Um, but so I this mean, is why so Youngkin, did, I think, do is Do we is imagine that Youngkin will, in fact, go more insane too? I mean, that's the question, I think. Well, I think he already has. I mean, I think that who we are seeing right now as governor of Virginia is not actually who, like, I don't think that's his natural state. Right. And I got to say, if you, did anybody watch his launch video? Oh, yeah. yeah. It's just like Reagan's fandom sexy stuff. It's like, <laughs> do you remember the great days of Reagan? And I'm like, that's your opening pitch? No, you're going to get killed, man. <laughs> Nobody wants me, this. Sarah, what do people say about Reagan in your focus groups? <laughs> They're like, who? Like, I don't know. They don't know. You know I mean, you got to get a really yeah, old, you got to get the old, the oldsters sometimes talk about Reagan. That's when they became a Republican. Were they, did they like him? You know who likes yeah, Reagan? The, Joseph Robinette Biden. Yeah. yeah. No. He's Reagan's third term, baby. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'll cover my ears and rock in the fetal <laughs> position. Um, yes. No. Oh, God. Oh, Reagan. Bad. Okay. Can we have a minute? All right. Thank you. Yes, I'm sorry. So, Look, I'm still liberal. But here's my question, okay. though. What, what do you guys think Yunkin's chances are, right? Because I look at Yunkin and I say, that guy could get 7%. And his right. 7% is 100%. Six of those points come from DeSantis, and right. another point comes from Haley. Yeah. Um, what do you guys think? I mean, do you agree, disagree? Is it possible DeSantis flames out? I don't well, think so he's going to announce so, so next reason, week, right? Reason, so DeSantis is going to do this. He's going to do it. But the reason the Yunkin thing is interesting is it's basically, there's a bunch of panic rooms happening. People are sitting in panicked rooms yeah. going, billionaires and Glenn Yunkin, they're like, zip up your sweater vest, buddy. We need you yeah. in. We yeah. got to get this... Have you seen this other guy laugh? He looks like an idiot. Like, we yeah. cannot, we got well, it. I mean, we are going to need some reinforcements here. Like, that's yeah. what's happening. And I think what is interesting is that donors really hate to, you know, they go have dinner with him and they're like, he's not our guy. Well, yeah, they're like, oh my God, we'll find You've this guy's him, president right? for four years. I'll have to talk to him again. Like, I that mean, seems but terrible. imagine how bad you have to be to not be able to be nice to someone who's going to give you millions of dollars. Like, yeah. For 20 minutes. I mean, this is not a hard job, you know? I there mean, was a great picture, actually, of him sitting next to Miriam Adelson, who is Sheldon Adelson's right. like, And he's, like, at her, and right. she's, like, looking at her food, like, <laughs> yeah. oh, my God. Yeah. Let's think about Trump's first indictment. Who did that hurt politically? Ron DeSantis. DeSantis. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so I think if he gets more indictments, then it's going to hurt DeSantis even more. I'm not sure I agree with that. I think that what happens is, is that Trump is able to suck up all the oxygen. Everything becomes about him. And the weirdness right now is that what Ron DeSantis does is, is like, uh, well, I'll protect you, Trump, from being, you know, extradited from Florida. And Trump's <laughs> like, yeah, no, thanks. I don't need that. And, and that was before Ron DeSantis had taken a shot at him. Right. I think that the indictments, what it does is it gives Trump all the news coverage, whatever, and they all become, you know, these, like, bit players in Trump's central drama. And, and like, Vivek Ramaswamy handled that better than anybody else because he was like, when I'm president, I'll pardon Trump. And I was like, <laughs> respect for that alpha energy. Like, you are going to need that to defeat Trump. I actually think the thing that's, that's cratering DeSantis more, though, is that 
as he's become more visible, people don't like him that much. I mean, although, in right. the, I mean, the focus groups, the people are like, yeah, I like him, you know, I just, they he's think not that, Trump. They think that they're like, he can come next. Right. Like, they just think he's got more time and he can, they're always like, don't you think he should make a great vice president? But and who <laughs> has been saying he could come next? Trump. Yeah. Trump right. is like, you're young, just come back in four years. By the way, we saw how well that turned out for Chris Christie. You know. Speaking of people who might get into the race. Right. Chris, that is, that's the lane for no one. <laughs> that's the bridge traffic lane. <laughs> I mean, who wants that lane? Him and Mike Pence battling it out. Do you guys want Christy to run? Oh, wait. Really? Tim shouted yes from the wings. <laughs> I agree. Somebody needs to be in there, like, who can fight back with Trump in a way that's... he got COVID from Trump. I mean, he's worked in the Trump administration. I need that fat bastard humiliated a few more times before he gets off stage, okay? Get in this race. I want to see him feeding Trump White Castles, okay? I fucking hate I that guy. You open that I mean, what? <laughs> what? What is the lane for Chris Christie, right? I worked for Trump, I love Trump. Trump gave me COVID or someone in that room gave me COVID and I almost died. Now I'm here to take him down. But he won't. This is, this right. is actually, no, the reason I think Christie shouldn't run is because what he'll do is- Should or shouldn't? Shouldn't. Okay. Is because, and also I don't think he will, honestly. This is not a guaranteed JVL is always right prediction. I'm saying I think he is unlikely to run, that's all. I think what he'll do is come in and wind up torpedoing whoever is running second and third. You know, he'll come in and so. he'll here, attack here, DeSantis here. and he'll attack Youngkin and he'll make snide comments about Haley and... Uh, As a tactical matter, I just think that what he's doing right now is he's going around to donors who don't want Trump to be president. And he's saying, give me money and I'll get in there and I'll try to take Trump out. Like, I think that's his only pitch. I don't think he's in it to win. I think that's like a relevancy play. But he's not going to take Trump out, though, right? Because he hated Trump. He loved Trump. He hated Trump. I mean, you know, he's like Eric. I mean, he's had so many machinations in this family. I mean, it's like, it's like the world's worst Shakespeare play. I mean, right? And everyone is stupid. <laughs> Sorry. I need a, a real opinion on Youngkin. Yes or no? Like the Russian army, DeSantis could, in theory, all the way implode, right? I mean, this is, I, I think we've all sort of discounted the idea that DeSantis could go to like 7%, but I don't discount that. Um, but the way, you know what, I, I, I just have a question for two yeah. Republicans on this stage, though you guys are not Republicans anymore, independents. I'm, 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 a, I'm a right-leaning renegade independent. I was never a Republican. <laughs> yeah, James, I don't know if you noticed, and he's like an outright like socialist. Yeah. He's like an Elizabeth Warren loving. You're religious. Social. You're, re you're That's re right, you running dog capitalist. I know. Yeah. Do you know that this is like actually just, not that you asked, but uh, the, the big thing about JVL and I that it's just funny, and the reason that we disagree on so much is he is actually, he's been, he's socially conservative. Right. And no. fiscally liberal. And I've always been socially liberal and fiscally conservative, and that's why we fight about everything. All right, but uh, I just want to get back to, uh, you know, again, not a therapist, um, but happy, if you want to pay me hundreds of dollars an hour, I'm happy to come in. But uh, I just want to get back to the Republican Party mechanics. 
This primary, the way the states work, it's very tight. And it's sort of set up so that Trump will win, right? It benefits him because a while ago, people decided they didn't want long, drawn-out, contentious primaries. And so they've packed the schedule where you have Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, and Nevada, which New Hampshire, South Carolina, and Nevada are all, they're kind of stacked for Trump. Like DeSantis has to win Iowa to be in it. If DeSantis loses Iowa, it's basically over for him. And then you go into Super Tuesday quite quickly after that, and because of their winner-take-all, winner-take-most, the states, it's very hard to make it long and drawn out just because somebody can clean up on Super Tuesday. You get momentum out of uh, Nevada, and there you go. I mean, I also want to point out that Republicans have made this problem for themselves, right? I mean, if Mitch McConnell had wanted... They could have impeached Trump that second time and made some kind of crazy rule like the guy can't run again. And everyone said, no, no, don't worry. He'll go away. It'll be fine. We have no evidence that he will ever go away, right? I mean, even if he loses the primary, I think he runs as an independent. And even if he loses both those things, I think he runs in 28. I mean, the man runs until he can no longer tan. Sorry. You know, this is always something I, I really struggle with because the Republicans deserve Trump. Right, but we they, don't. But we don't. Yeah. And so, but they deserve to have him destroying things for them because yeah. they allowed this to happen. Not yeah. just with that second impeachment, all of that is like a fulcrum that it is unbelievable that they didn't take that right. opportunity. But at every opportunity, they've missed a chance every to stand Every single it. one, yeah. Want to um, talk about Mike Pence at all? <laughs> Did you want to talk about Mike Pence? I only wanted to say... Because I want to talk about Joe Biden, my boy. Okay, can I just say... But we can do, let's do Mike Pence. Let's do my Settle just, down. You'll get your Biden. I just only want to say, like, speaking of people who are going to get in... Uh, oh, is it happening? I Pence think, is happening? I mean, it sounds like he's going to do it. I mean, the thing about Mike Pence, the amazing thing is that all Mike Pence needed to do was bring evangelicals to Donald Trump and give them permission to vote for him, and he did it too well, and they don't need him anymore. This is, I, this is exactly the right point. Uh, Thank you. See? Is, no, I made this. Smart liberal. It's, uh, well, I'm not that smart, but smart enough. No, he built the permission structure, and yeah, now they don't need him. Uh, but also, they hate him. Yes. Like, what, I just, like, the, I, what, the, the reason that Mike Pence and I like to talk about Mike Pence is because it, it's such a good example of the fact that, like, the members of the, elder members of the party, this old guard, is delusional about what the party has become. Right. And delusional to the point where, like, if you said to Mike Pence, hey, man, go to a Trump rally, he would be like, well, I need 10 armed guards to escort <laughs> right, me right, right. from the violence they do right. to me. And yet he's like, but these guys might make me president. <laughs> what? On what? So well, anyway, what would happen to him if you went to a Joe Biden rally? Oh, it would be fine. Yeah. Yeah, right? This it's is, true. You, know, but you I, might even get like 10 people saying, thank you, sir. We really I mean, appreciate I your feel, service. I feel Thanks like, for not doing the coup. I feel like the hint is that they were chanting, hang Mike Pence. <laughs> like, generally when people want to hang you, they don't want to vote for like you. Like, they went through the trouble to build a scaffolding and a noose. But it wasn't functional. They kept saying, we, we don't think we could have actually hung him on it. Okay, well, well much better. Thank this you. is yeah. my sharks and jets. This is our sharks and jets argument, right? These people, they're in a gang, and the gang decides they're going to stomp you out, 
right? And then and this other gang who you're traditionally at war with is like on the other side of the parking lot watching, and they're like, shit, man, that's bad. Oh, look what they're doing to Mikey, right? Mikey finally gets up, and he's like, you know, his teeth are out, and he's like, <laughs> instead of going over to the Jets and saying, hey, guys, can I, can I just hang here for a little bit? I don't need to join the gang. Maybe I'll just like roll with you over and get a, get a milkshake together at the grocery store or whatever. He just goes back to the sharks. He's <laughs> like, hey, what's up? I'm with you still. <laughs> what is wrong with these people? Have you ever like looked at what a gang is or have you watched West Side Story? Because <laughs> let me tell you, they are like, they are mean to each other and they all stay with their gangs because that's what gangs do. You make no a good point. No one goes to the sharks. <laughs> Isn't it when point. you're a jet, you're a jet all the way? From your first cigarette to your last dying day. Yeah. We should have done the music thing yeah. on this episode, right? Sorry, let's talk about Biden. Go so ahead. let's talk about Joe Biden. I want to tell, tell my Biden story. Do it. On Wednesday, when E. Jean Carroll, when a jury found that Donald Trump needs to pay E. Jean Carroll $5 million, right? for any number of things. I was watching television later on in the afternoon and I heard a press conference going on and I heard, and I wasn't, I was sort of at my desk and I was listening and I heard a politician kind of get this journalist and sort of corner her and say, well, what's in the bill? And I heard this journalist sort of stammer and I realized it was Joe Biden and he was killing it at this press conference about the debt limit. And I thought to myself, like, yeah, this is our guy. And, you know, he has, every time, everyone is so anxious, right? Everyone is so nervous. And, you know, he has just killed it again and again. State of the Union. I mean, I know you're looking at me like I'm a lunatic. But I, I keep hearing it. I, I'm sorry, but I think that the anxiety and the reality do not completely match up. So I will push back against that slightly. I think the reality is, I mean, this is, you know, the Biden administration. It's pretty okay. Yeah. Right? This is like, you know, it's not the greatest thing in the world. It may not be morning in America, but like it's, it's I mean, basically okay. Unemployment's really low. Yes, inflation's bad. Yes, the Afghanistan thing was bad. But like the Ukraine response has been fantastic. And he passed a bunch of real legislation. And he did gun reform. Right. And like... He got a bunch of Republican uh, senators voting with him, and he's not, like, up on his fucking phone at 3 in the morning tweeting that he thinks Rosie O'Donnell is fat, right? You can, right. You, can, you can go weeks at a time without thinking about Joe Biden if you want to, right? He does not, he does not insert himself into your feed. He's not, you can just, like, but he's, he's also just down there president. a lot of really progressive legislation. He's worked with progressives. I mean, he's done a lot of stuff. You know, he's done climate stuff. He's, I mean, and... He's done enough stuff. He wants to fund the police, right? He's, he does, right. He does the, t the Tim Miller thing, which is, you know, what Dems ought to be doing is more money for cops, more cops, better trained cops, and gun reform. Right, this and, is, this and, is the, all right, the... And I'm going to add, and qualified immunity, Right. Negotiate with the police unions. Yeah, I'm, Make I'm sure that. that, you know, that bad cops can be taken out of rotation. So too. this is, you know, believe me, nobody is more surprised than I am. If you'd come to me like, you know, 10 years ago and said, hey, what do you think is going to be the second most effective uh, president since 1980? 
I would not have said Joe Biden, dude. But, you know, part of <laughs> you know? Joe Biden's success is that he's humble, right? And he sort of knows what he can and can't do. Well, and he's not he's a movie careful. star, right? He's not the main character. Right. He's just like doing stuff. Anyway, the point is, but the anxiety is real, and I'm, I have lots of anxiety about yeah. Biden. Just, I think it's real. I don't want to interrupt you guys for your work for the Biden administration, <laughs> but, uh, like, but, like, the anxiety is actually not specific to... It is specific to Biden, but the reason the anxiety is so high is that the stakes are incredibly high for how bad the Republican could be, right? No. Yes. right? So the anxiety is related to it being Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis. And so then the next question becomes, do the Democrats have a candidate in Joe Biden that can beat those people? Now, I think Joe Biden on his own, if you had Joe Biden 10 years ago, I think the answer would be absolutely. I think that the anxiety is related to, this is not gonna come as a surprise, it is related to his age and the unpopularity of his vice president. And people can be mad at me about this, but the Republicans, Nikki Haley has already done it. She said, Joe Biden's going to die. Right, but then and Nikki, she sounded psychotic when she, she said did, that. She did, but they are going to run on this, and it is going to work in part. It, they are going to run against a dead Joe Biden and an alive Kamala Harris. And, and it is going to be nasty, and there's going to be a lot of voters who are going to worry about it. And that's where the anxiety comes from. Okay, except that I would say one thing. If you have Biden running against against uh, Ron DeSantis, who is 44 years old, okay. But if you have Biden running against Donald Trump, who is 77 years old, and who, I mean, is huffing and puffing and barely making sense, and, you know, when you read the transcripts of a Donald Trump speech, you can't believe it. I mean, the no way- voter reads the transcripts of a Donald Trump speech, though. They watch a CNN town hall where it looks like he's running over the moderator. Right. Joe Biden doesn't look like he's running over a moderator. I don't want someone running over I my moderator. I understand you don't. I'm not. This is fine. I, I'm just talking about right. what when people say this thing well, about the age and they make the comparison and they're like, well, Trump's only four years younger and he sounds like a lunatic. And I'm like, he's always sounded like a lunatic. And I think he might have lost a little bit. But he still gets up there. I, I was a lone-ish, not defender of the CNN town hall, but I found it clarifying because I have not seen Donald Trump on his feet in an adversarial way for a while. And I watched it and went, shit, he still can do this. I don't think that Donald Trump changes hearts and minds. I don't think there's anyone out there in the voting public who's like, oh, yeah, that guy, the insurrection guy. Let's go another round with that. He does change hearts and minds. He turns voters? them black. Right. He, makes them, he makes people worse. But, I mean, a swing voter is going to be like, yeah, that yes. guy. Let's go back to that. Yes. They're going to be like, I just think oh, there's enough of a high. chance of Yeah. I guess we'll do Trump again. Like, why is Biden at 38%? He's at 38% not because Republicans have all turned on him. A lot of it is because progressives have right. been like, eh, eh. he's not doing enough. Like, you you are out there, you know, making the case for him to progressives. But there's a lot of, like, progressives who have, you know, they're they're down on him. And so, like, all you need is for, I mean, the, the razor-thin margins right, in these key why, states. If you don't get the turnout. Which is why Republicans are working really hard on RFK Jr., Yeah. right? And then No Labels is working on a unity candidate uh, who they're yeah. trying to get on the ticket at swing states. Yeah. And, you know, who that's going to be, there's been talk that it might be a Democratic 
senator from Mansion Hogan. Yes. This is a ticket I could get excited about in a different life. I mean, but not in this <laughs> one. Not in this life, Not though. in this one. Yeah. All right. We're starting to, starting to get We're starting long. to get really depressed. Oh. And I want to make sure we end on the darkest possible note. <laughs> so I would like to just go across the room here and ask, what keeps you up at night? Hottest summer on record. I mean, the climate... <laughs> Is a fucking catastrophe. Oh, am I allowed to curse? All right, sorry. Uh, the I don't cl- know if you heard Charlie and Tim's segment. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the climate crisis is happening. Nobody's talking about it. It's happening much faster than any of us see it coming. You know, I have children, one of whom is in the audience right now. I'm, I'm scared. Sarah? Uh, I knew that I was doing this when I did it, but earlier, because I knew you were going to ask this question, but earlier when I talked about Trump's second term... That is the thing that keeps me up at night. Like, I'm constantly watching things and going, oh, yeah, Mike Flynn. Mike Flynn's going to be the national security advisor. Right. And I think about all the criminals and, like, cranks and crazy people, and I can just, like, put together this fantasy Trump second term in my head, you know, like Rudy as Secretary of State and the insurrectionist guys. Schedule F, Yeah, the January 6th choir will do the official song of, like, whatever. And, like, I think about how... This is not like an 80-20 thing. I just think it's too close. It's too much in the realm of possibility, which is why uh, I want at some point here to focus much harder on like, is there a way to beat him in the primary? I'm watching Ron DeSantis. I think he's not the person. My analysis, I know, I know that the voters are not going to get hyped about Glenn Youngkin, (laughs) but there's just... Even with the vast... But I just, here's, well, can I just, this is like a different sort of thing. I just think it is possible that they won't hate Glenn Youngkin the way that they might decide that they've hated Ron DeSantis. This is where the Sarah optimism, like Lucy with the football, can come in and I can like, everything I know, my before and after trauma, everything, I can like still start to lose it because I so desperately need there to be somebody who is not an insane simulacrum, you know, Trump wannabe to somehow emerge. What did so, they say? Uh, Asa. Asa. Can I just say guys? that most, I know we're out of time, but the most depressing moment was when Asa Hutchinson was on MSNBC and they had a split screen between him and the Trump motorcade going to New York. And he was like trying to talk about wanting to run. And I thought like, not good. So. Hmm. Well, what keeps me up at night is Joe Biden's hip. Because I, I agree with Sarah. So I think Biden's been a, a pretty okay president. Like, I'm very happy he's been president. I think that he is probably the best candidate that Democrats could field this time around. I think it is really fortunate that we did not have a primary. I think it's very good that he is running. And I think he can absolutely lose. Uh, and we are, we are one health event away. If the John Fetterman experience in Pennsylvania didn't scare the crap out of you people, it should have. Uh, we are one, and not even a health, we're one stumble away, right? He, he goes, takes a tumble down the, the steps of Air Force One or has to use a cane with the, the four little feet I, I would, or I, ride on a rascal. But you know what? Uh, I would argue, bad. I mean, I have parents in their 80s and parents in their 90s, and my parents in their 80s are not nearly as fragile as my parents in their 90s. So I don't, I don't know that that's completely guys. True. Okay, Biden 2024. So, oh, He's not 90 yet. Yeah, that's right. That's right. right. That's right. Listen, right. this has been a great show. It's been a long show. Thank you all so much for coming out. Yeah.